KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. Been a lot of strain on supply chains across the country here as we continue to work our way through this COVID-19 pandemic. So how have they held up? What have we learned? What changes could we see overall in how supply chains are put together? For this discussion, we reached out to Dave Kurz, Associate Clinical Professor at Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business. We had spoken to him when the pandemic first really took root here in America, and we wanted to kind of get an update about what we've learned about the world of supply chains. Give a listen. So, Dave, we spoke a few months ago, kind of just as the pandemic was really grabbing hold here in the U.S. We talked about supply chains then. So over the last few months, uh, at least in the Delaware Valley here, we're starting to slowly get back to a bit of normalcy. Uh, But overall, American supply chains, how have they held up through this pandemic from what you've observed, talked to people and read about? Just like we talked about before, I think the, the answer here is that it varies. And then the thing to keep in mind about supply chains is that they're really tailored. You know, they're customized by industry, by product, customer, even customer and consumers. They can be different, a little bit different. Uh, So a supply chain that works really well for one kind of product designed for consumers, that's not going to be the right one for an industrial product, for instance. You know, so uh, what we do know is that supply chain leaders, they're trying to be efficient you know, their job is to satisfy customers at low cost. Uh, so up until we hit COVID-19, uh, the focus on supply chain was all about lean. It was low cost. It was efficiency. Firms uh, would develop their forecasts and their models to help predict demand for products. Uh, and the closer we were to that, those forecasts, the better job we could do of satisfying customers and keeping profit margins growing. But man, when COVID-19 hits, we've got this disruption like we've all seen and and we're still seeing, by the way. Uh, You know, those forecasts, those predictions, the networks and all the relationships uh, that you form to deliver those uh, products, it's kind of blown up. You know, so I'd say uh, the COVID-19 in the firm is viewed as a disruption scenario. And what I mean by that is not just a temporary adjustment Uh, to our old models, it's actually something that we need to change the way we design and behave uh, around these things. So what have we learned? Are there things that could improve overall supply chains, how we get things from A to B, things that maybe were just theory, but people had to put into practice because of this? So are there things we've learned long term? For sure. Yeah. So uh, a little bit, you know, so this disruption was really dramatic, you know, so we saw havoc being wreaked on staffing, sourcing, warehousing, logistics, transportation, all those parts of the supply chain, like we talked about before. Look at the people side of it. Safety is paramount or should be paramount. Uh, So the workforce has been upended, you know, in obvious ways since it impacted a lot of us personally, you know, for uh, supply chain leaders, we do know that firms who had a head start in having a more digitally enabled workforce, that is allowing workers to work from home uh, without losing huge huge amounts of productivity, uh, those firms have been able to survive this disruption better than those who were putting off digital workforce and relying more on face-to-face interactions. Uh, so, one work, one firm I've worked with, they deployed thousands of laptops to workers 
that were previously co-located in this desktop office environment. And literally over a weekend, they shipped out thousands of laptops to get them enabled uh, and up and running. Automation is another example. You've got uh, firms who have been able to use robotics, uh, more machine-based logistics. Those guys faring better than the ones that were caught uh, and with a more face-to-face kind of model. I work in a nonprofit uh, research team uh, called the Digital Supply Chain Institute, and we've heard of firms that are uh, that were making progress on digitalization efforts now uh, that before COVID nineteen were considered optional. Now they're now they're must do. Uh, they're essential to operations. So, take a look at what Starbucks uh, announced this week. Uh, they're shutting down something like 400 company-owned locations over the next 18 months. Uh, And then they'll be shifting a lot of their new uh, business model uh, into what they call convenience-led formats and curbside pickup. Uh, That's a really simple example of how firms are adapting, uh, maybe even new business models uh, in the wake of the disruption. And you mentioned things like automation and stuff like that. Is it safe to say that the changes we're seeing these are changes that are going to stick around. This isn't stuff that's just going to be for the foreseeable future because I I can't imagine with things like automation, you're not going to find it successful and then go, oh, now we're going to go back to the old way. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I think uh, any change, think of it this way. If, you cha- if a change delivers the same value to customers and, and you're using automation, information, or some other digital technology, that change will remain beyond this current health crisis. I mean, if you're going to make those changes uh, and you see some parts of the economy and supply chains that have that high touch, high value model, I think you'll see those gradually return when it's safe, hopefully. I mean, take an example of uh, commercial office space. Okay, so there's a big business uh, and I just scattered my workforce to work from home models. You know, I sent those laptops out. Now we're gradually normalizing in some of those segments. Now, those office buildings are very expensive and and empty. And you can imagine there's some rethinking going on about commercial real estate needs uh, and investments. Uh, So uh, uh, we talk about the digital supply chain. And I think if firms get around to making those investments in digital supply chain and start to realize the benefits uh, and they they can continue their operations safely now, and they're starting to see cost savings and efficiencies, there's not going to be much incentive to go back to older traditional ways of uh, operating. You talked off the top, you know, all supply chains are different. So when you're when you're looking, are there any industry supply chains that have seen or continue to see an unusual amount of pressure as a result of the chaos the virus has unleashed uh, everywhere? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there's some obvious ones like retail. I mean, you saw so many firms, uh, Under Armour, Nike, Patagonia, Apple. I mean, a long list of how all had to close all their stores. Uh, I'm gradually starting to see some reopening or careful reopening there. Airbus uh, and uh, Fiat Chrysler suspended operation in Europe. Uh, airlines taking a huge hit. I, I read somewhere 113 billion potential in revenue lost there. Restaurants. Uh, this, this was kind of a worrisome comment, but a very, uh, very instructive uh, one restaurant expert, industry expert, called this an extinction event. Can you imagine uh, that for restaurant? That's that's really I hope that's not true. That's uh, but that's an example. We were talking off the air and I kind of mentioned 
how the the grocery store in my town went from not having any toilet paper two and a half, three months ago to now literally having an aisle exploding with cases of toilet paper available to purchase. And that's that's not an accident. I mean, you mentioned something the the, the bullwhip effect. Kind of talk about when you see some of these situations where it's pretty obvious that something that had been backordered comes back with a vengeance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so all those back orders uh, start getting caught up, and, and then you uh, have a supply chain that becomes overstuffed. Uh, I think there's also some changes in consumer behavior. So when you see consumers show more confidence uh, that uh, maybe when they do go to the store that the shelves won't be empty, maybe there's less incentive to stock up uh, the way they were at the beginning of the pandemic. So you see some of that. That's a consumer behavior. But really, again, in supply chain, it's all about balancing demand, being able to accurately forecast demand. Uh, and then, uh, but we see other aspects of it. Uh, so, um, you know, in other sectors, you know, transportation networks might have cons- been constrained. Uh, you know, so we've heard about fewer flights coming out of certain countries. Uh, that That impacts your ability to uh, balance out demand and supply. Uh, and those networks uh, are, are not really able to meet demand in reasonable timeframes and at managed costs. Are imports from China back to where, or at least close to where they had been prior to the pandemic? They kind of dealt with the pandemic. They were kind of three months ahead of where we were. So, uh, or is that still kind of depend on what you're looking for, what's, what part of a country it's coming from, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, we should uh, we should have another show on China, I think, <laughs> so, because that's a that's a big question, and uh, uh, there's a lot to talk about there, and it's uh, a lot of it is is really interesting. I, I'd I'd want to look at that data to be really answer that, you know, well. Uh, but demand is down in so many sectors right now uh, that even if orders were able to get through. Uh, you know, your transportation networks have been hit by this. Uh, it's, I just don't see, um, I don't see how it could be uh, back where it was. Uh, it's going to take some time. And I think there will be some shifting of other regions, uh, maybe even bringing some of it back on shore. And that kind of led to my, my next question. Do you think we'll have a lot of companies, businesses look a little more inward, maybe stuff they got from China, Japan, faraway places, uh, if they can find something reasonably close in cost in the U.S. or at least in the in North America, could we see some shift that way just to make it easier to deal with a disruption event like this? Yeah, I think they'll definitely be – most firms have uh, already been thinking about how they can expand their supply networks. And I think that there's a lot of risk – to a firm in being over-reliant on one region uh, of the world for certain types of products. And uh, this is a perfect example of, of how you can be hurt by that. If you're, if you're uh, dependent uh, on one area that is cut off uh, for whatever reason, and we saw this in Japan when there was some recovery from the tsunamis going on there. Uh, so yeah, you need to have a, a resilient supply network uh, that has uh, that ability to shift nodes if you see disruption. That, that means having uh, opportunities for uh, maybe some onshoring or reshoring of, of some of those types of things, but uh, also looking to other regions so that's distributed. 
And I think the first time we spoke, you mentioned the, the American, most companies utilize, uh, was it called like a just-in-time supply chain to have just enough to fill, to try to stay as lean as possible? I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but yeah. the, the basic no. concept. What's the alternative to that? What is another way that you can approach a supply chain other than where it doesn't get devastated. Are there other supply chain philosophies, I guess is my question, that you could you could look at that maybe would allow you to weather a storm better than this? Yeah. So supply chain leaders, I think if if you were in the shoes of a supply chain leader in a in a global firm, uh, the pressure that you have to perform um, in terms of costs and efficiency has been uh, that is maybe your number one driver. So trying to keep inventories low, for example. So I think um, here, let me leave you this with this kind of upside. This or here's a potential upside, a way to kind of, you know, make it make our conversation end on a happier note. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and this idea came from a senior executive who was uh, being interviewed by the chairman of uh, the Center for Global Enterprise recently, and and the comment was uh, basically the effect that as a firm, um, you could take advantage of this disruption. Uh, supply chains have always been under extreme pressure uh, to produce results. So if a supply chain produced cost savings, let's say they, uh, they had that lean uh, kind of cost savings model you were talking about, uh, they would be expected to return whatever those benefits were back to the firm for, uh, for redistribution, maybe not even going back into the supply chain. But right now, quarterly earnings expectations are in many cases, they're wildly off, right? So this, this actually gives leaders a chance to reset expectations and make some changes that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to, or maybe in, in ordinary times, some of these changes around digital or, uh, automation might uh, kind of appear radical. Now's the time to take advantage of technology and data automation and get to a more digital supply chain. And I think the firms who uh, really can afford to make those changes now might actually find themselves in a stronger position going forward. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.